Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Now, church family, I got to start off on a sad note with our happy message. That's the last time you're going to see that sermon bumper ever. Listen, we conclude our happy series today. Listen, the 25th message out of Philippians we are going to preach today, and so I'm going to miss that sermon bumper a whole lot. Some of y'all are probably done tired of it, but I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to miss it. I love that thing. If you feel like you've heard it a lot, I hear it twice on Sundays and a third time on Wednesday nights, and I'm still going to miss the thing, but today we come to the conclusion of our Philippians series, Happy. You know, we have preached 25 messages, and here they are printed out. This is over 100, I manuscript my messages, so I write them all out, every word that I'm going to speak. There's a, over 100 pages of sermon manuscript right here that we've done together. That is over 57,400 words that we have, you have endured with great patience over the past 25 weeks. And let me tell you this, church, you ready? I'm still convinced that when Jesus is at the center of our joy, when Jesus is our greatest joy, that you and I are the happiest that we can be in this life. And you know what? If I were to preach another 57,400 words in Philippians, which trust me I could, I would still come to the end of all of that and know that when Jesus is at the center of our joy, when Jesus is our greatest joy, that you and I are the happiest that we could be in this life. Now, we end in a unique way here in Philippians. We end on a subject that touches every arena of a person's life. It's a subject that really all of us have a vested interest in. You ready? We end in the text today talking about generosity. Asking the question, does God really care about our money? And how we use it. Now listen, let me just, everybody let your guard down. Everybody, listen, we're going to go to an area. I could stand up here and preach the greatest messages on sin. And, and people would pick me up on their shoulders, hopefully lifting with their legs and not their back. And carry me out here. What a great, but the minute, the minute money is mentioned from the pulpit, you know what we all do? We, we get up our defenses. So, so what we're going to do is we're just going to relax today. We're just going to be open to what God is going to show us because really, every person in this room, and we have, we have conversations. We sit around the table, we look at. All of our lives are impacted by finances and money. And the question today is, does God care about any of it? Does God have anything to say about our money and the way that we use it and our generosity. Now, here, it always happens this way. There's going to be somebody in the room who 20 years ago you stopped going to church because all your preacher ever preached about was money. And for the first time you came to church today and you're going to sit there and you're going to hear a message about how, how we can honor God in our finances. And I just want to say this. Here at Connect Church, we preach the word. To the charge, well, all churches and preachers ever preach about is money. That's just not true. But here at Connect Church, we preach the word. And when the word talks about our money, our generosity, we, we don't shy away from it. Because God cares about our money. He cares about 
how we spend it. In fact, God cares about every area of our lives. He's just good like that. And so with our defenses down, with this heartbeat to say, God, how can we honor you in every area of our lives? You know, I look at the Philippian church, and as Paul wrote to them, under the guidance of and by the authority of the Holy Spirit, we see a church that faced many challenges, were imperfect at best, but at the end of the day, they were a church that wanted to know, love, and follow after Jesus more in every area of their lives. And so today we come together as a church just like them, saying how can we love him in, in not just some of our life, but every area of our lives. So let's turn to the text for the 25th and final message out of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, Paul writes this, Yet it was good for you to share in my sufferings. Moreover, he writes, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from you, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me. Watch him. And you can see as Paul writes here, the disappointment. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except for you only. You see the affection there? I read an article here recently from a Harvard graduate back in 1973. He was a pretty incredible businessman, but he also was a believer in Christ. And he set out, he endeavored to go through the Word of God and to find all the references there was to there were to money and finances and our stewardship as such. And so he studied the whole world, and here's what he produced. And I have a copy of it in my hand. It is 45 pages front and back, chock full of over 2,350 scriptures that deal with money, finances, and our stewardship of it. Isn't that amazing? Let me give you a comparison. With faith and prayer, do you know that they're mentioned over 500 times in the Bible? Whereas money... And how he stewarded 2,350 times in the Word of God. And here's some of the conclusions that he came to out of this study. Because the question is, why does the Bible talk about it? Why does the Bible speak to it so many times? And here's what he came to. You ready? That God knows the tendency for you and for me to make an idol out of our money and our stuff. Right, The kind of attitude of, and everything else is the Lord, but when it comes to my, it's my money, and I'm going to do it with what I want. We have that tendency in our lives to make it all about us, to make it our idol, and to do what we want with it. And so what we find here is that God, through Paul, through his Holy Spirit, is speaking to the Philippian church and praising them for being generous with their money and their resources for giving to the Lord through his church. And so can I just share a couple of truths as we start out our message today about your money and mine? Here's the first truth. It's all his. It's all his anyway. The truth of the word of God is this, that God is overall, he owns it all, and whether it's our finances, our lives, they're all his anyway. Consider this in Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's reaffirmed in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Hey, let me tell you the truth about our finances, our resources, our very lives. It's all his. It's all his. Here's the second truth. 
He cares about it all. Specifically, the text goes to our generosity and speaks to our wallets and our pocketbooks. But here's the truth of God. He cares about it all. Speaking financially over 2,350 times in his word does he talk us through our money, our resources, and how to use it. Now, you say this, and here's where the church, I think, ought to have a little bit of skin in the game. If you've been raised in church, and some of you haven't, but if you've been raised in church, you might have heard your fair share of talking about give your 10%, and the church always just talks about 10%, as if God only cares about a portion of our income. And the truth is of the word of God is that God cares as much about the way we spend our 90% as the 10% we give to him. God cares about all of it and has some say in it through his word into our hearts and into our lives. And here's the third truth. Not only is it all his, and God cares about it all. Hear me, church. You cannot outgive God. Anybody know that to be true? You, hey, you cannot outgive God. I dare you to try. Now, so what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the text this morning, and we're going to take a closer look at the motivation behind generosity, answering the why behind it. So as we do that, I, I heard of a story once of two businessmen who were flying to a business conference and it was overseas, and as they were flying out over in the ocean, all of a sudden they could hear the indicator lights, something was wrong with the plane. The engines lost power. They were crash landing, and the pilot, as skilled as he was, was able to crash land their aircraft, their small aircraft, on a desert island. Well, one of the men sitting there on that desert island, nobody knew where they were, began to cry out loud, and if only I could tell my wife I love her one more time. If only I could watch my kids grow up and just begin to cry and relent. Whereas his business companion put his head up to a palm tree and fell asleep. Well, he looked at his friend beginning to hey, how can you, how can you sleep? We're here on a desert island and we're probably going to die here. And his friend looked at him and said, hey, listen, we're going to be Okay. I make over $500,000 a year. I faithfully give 10% of what I make to the church. My pastor will find me. And that's how he was able to sleep that day. And you know what? you got to think to yourself, surely there's more motivation than that. Surely there's a greater motivation than that. If maybe I get stranded on a desert island, if I give enough, my pastor will find me. Maybe there's more motivation to that. And we see that very motivation alive and well here in the Philippian church. You see, their, their motivation was to give to the Lord through his church. And hear me, it was a biblically grounded, gospel-centered, and kingdom-building motivation. You see, they supported Paul as a church through their generosity. Listen to what Paul writes in verse 16. For even when I was in Thessalonica, he writes, you sent me more than once when I was in need. Verse 17. Now watch what he says. Not that I desire your gifts. You know what Paul, Paul knows to be true, what every pastor knows to be true. Not one pastor or staff needs generosity. We just know that along with us, everyone needs to be generous. But Paul says this. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that it be credited to your account. You know what he's saying? Hey, hey, Philippian church, your generosity, your giving to the Lord through your church, it's a big deal to God. 
it's a big deal to him. And so specifically today in the text, our generosity, our money is front and center. And I want you to hear me that it's clear biblically that our generosity, that our giving spills over into our wallets and into our pocketbooks. Now, if you've been around the church at all, you've heard the term oftentimes tithe or tithing. That word simply means a tenth, and it's a biblical Old Testament teaching of the law that would come post-Exodus 21, and it would teach the people of God that they were to give a tenth of all of their crops, of all of their income to the Lord through the temple and through offerings. Now, if you were to do an even deeper study into the tithe and all that a Jewish family would be compulsed by the law to give, you would find that through not only tithing, but through the various offerings and festivals and various announcements that God would give, that over a seven-year period, a Jewish family would spend anywhere between 10 and 20%. They would give anywhere between 10 and 20% of their income to the Lord. As we kind of uncover what this tithing principle looked like in the Old Testament, you find it in places like Leviticus 27, Numbers 18, and Deuteronomy chapter 14. Unbelievable. Compulsed by the law, the average Jewish family would cheerfully give to the Lord 10 to 20% of their income. Now, the question becomes, Anthony, that's good Old Testament material. Let's hop over to the New Testament. Let's begin to look at today. Where is God at on our giving today? Well, this tithing principle that we put into practice, we find in the New Testament, is put into practice through generosity. Now, church, I want you to hear me. We are no longer under the law. We are under God's grace. And it's important for us to understand that. You and I, in Christ, are no longer under Mosaic law of the Old Testament. We're under grace. That is why we find ourselves at this place. That when it comes to the conversation of generosity and giving that we find here in Philippians, that we see here alive today in Connect Church, we are nowhere near being compulsed by the law to give. Rather, we are compelled by grace to give to the Lord generously and cheerfully. No longer compulsed by the law to give. But in Christ, we're compelled by his grace. And that's the only way you and I can be generous and cheerful in our giving. As a church, we celebrate the foundation of the tithe as the very foundation upon which generosity is, is built. You know, I often say this, that I sure would hate for a man under the law to outgive me a man under God's grace. Yeah, man's compulsed by the law. I'm compelled to give by God's grace. I love how one author put it. They said this, our giving and generosity today isn't God's way of raising funds. It's so good. It is, way of, it is God's way of raising children whose hearts are rich towards him. And man, do I know this to be true in my own life. You know, for Aaron and I and the kids... This is not something we just preach because that's what preachers ought to do from time to time. This is something we put into practice, generosity. This is where Aaron and I put our money where our mouth is. You see, there came a time where we committed as a family that we are going to every month give over 
over 10% of our income. Flat out, first thing to the Lord through his church. Now, of course, as, as the pastor of Connect Church, your generosity uh, brings income to my family, helps take care of my family, for which we are forever grateful. Whether it's that income or income from a small business we own, or it's income that comes when I travel around and preach and, and churches give to me in generosity. Man, one of the things that we love to do, giving to the Lord through his church, practicing generosity for Aaron and I is a point of excitement that we have because we get to invest in his kingdom. It's a picture of excitement for our family. Because here's what we know. I don't say this to, to brag on us. I say it to brag on a God who's worthy of far more than what we give. I say this so that you know that his, your pastor and his wife don't give because we have to. We give because we get to. And you know what? Whether it's our retirement or investments in stocks or investments in our small business, there is no investment on this planet that gives us better returns than investing in his kingdom through his church. And you know, honestly, I get to the end of the day with our finances. Now listen, we have six mouths to feed in our family. One really big one. We have two animals. And it costs a lot to feed them. We, we know what it is to sit down and have too much month at the end of our money. But we will never as a family forsake giving to the Lord through his church ever because at the end of the day I begin to think to myself in light of all that God is blessing me with in light of all that God has done for me in light of the cross of Jesus and an empty tomb how can myself as a believer how can I think to myself and how at the end of the day can I give God the least how can I give the least to God when God's given everything to me and our family. How can I give him the least? You see, we're excited to give. For our family, it literally is an act of, of worship and thanksgiving to God. Honestly, this is, this is not just preacher talk. Let me take that hat off for a minute. When we get to the end of the month in our small business, we, look, we pay out all the things we have to do, and we, have to, we look at what the profit margin is. We get to take home at the end of the month. I'm telling you with great joy, I take out a pen, and the first thing I do, even before I figure out taxes, way too many taxes given to our great country, I write out over 10% of that to the Lord. When I get home from preaching a weekend away, and, and, and the church has been generous and given me a, a love offering, man, I love to sit down, and before I get the taxes out of the way, the first thing I do when I get home is got, get out the checkbook and a pen, and I write out, but I get, we just get excited about doing it. Maybe we're just weird. We just we get excited. Every month we give online here at Connect Churches. So it comes out automatically when our checks are deposited. And every, every month we get an email from Connect Church that says, hey, your generosity has been deposited. And I'm going to tell you something. As a husband and wife, man, we get excited about getting that email. It's, it's an act of worship for us. It's an investment in his kingdom has far better returns than anything else we can invest in. It's an act of worship. In fact, Paul would say this as he described generosity to the, of the Philippian church in verse 18. Listen to what he says. 
that their offerings, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God in verse 18. You know what Paul uses? Paul uses three phrases from the Old Testament, all phrases of worship to describe their generosity. You know, our generosity, the Philippian church's giving in their generosity, giving to the Lord through his church was an act of worship. And Paul is teaching us this, every time we worship him with our finances, every time we give to the Lord through his church, it pleases God. The motivation is clear. Our generosity and our giving to the Lord, even in the area and especially in the area of our finances, is an act of worship to him. But not only is the motivation clear, but we find the mode of generosity is clear. Look at verse 18. I have received, Paul writes, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received gifts from Epaphroditus. Remember, that's their pastor. The gifts he mentions, which are both physical and financial, and the gifts that you sent. And here again, we see this mode of in Philippians 4, and not just here, but throughout the New Testament, that giving to the Lord through his church is a mode of worship. God blessed Paul through the generosity of the Philippian church. Now, now listen, I, I'm not saying this, that all your generosity should be directed here. But man, there ought to be great generosity in the life of your church. But not only there, but, but be generous outside the church. Aaron and I this month were able to, to bless one of our ministry partners, even outside of Connect Church, but one of our ministry partners, we, we were able to write them a check this month just to love on them and to thank them for all that they're doing. Every time I go to Walmart and they ask to give more money when you're done with your thing for St. Jude's or the miracle, that man, I push it on there. Aaron and I love supporting St. Jude's. Man, it's okay to be generous both inside and outside the church. And the question is, are we generous and cheerful givers here today? Because it's all His, and God cares about it all. We understand those things to be true, but we also understand that you can never outgive God. Because generosity, hear me, church, comes from a cheerful heart. Look at verse 19. Paul writes, And my God will meet all your needs according to His riches of His glory. In Christ Jesus. And isn't that incredible? Hey, you want God to meet your needs? Be a generous person. Be a cheerful giver. I, I love that phrase, will meet. Paul says, for God will, will meet. That phrase in the Greek paints a picture in a person's heart and mind of a cup sitting empty and a pitcher sitting full and absolutely pouring over the brim that water into the cup. It's the idea that the more and more generous we are, the more and more of God's blessings pour out. The more and more that God meets the needs of his people. Now, I want you to hear me. And here's an important point. We don't give to God to get from God. We give because God has already given so much. But hear me. When we give to the Lord, when we are generous and cheerful givers, God brings about blessings through our generosity. You ready? Our generosity and our giving compels God, is compelling to God. Consider Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Watch this, you ready? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. By the way, the only place in Scripture that God says test me 
says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Hey, hear me. Your generosity, your giving to the Lord is compelling to God. And you can sit back and watch as God continues to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. But here's what I pray for Connect Church. Much like the Philippian church, that we would be cheerful givers. Watch this. As Paul write the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 9, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know that word cheerful there in the Greek? Do you know what English word we get from that? The word hilarious. I love that. Hilarious. Now, now again, let me just, everybody okay? I know we talk about money, and it's hard to talk about that. You should be in the awkward position I am. You think it's hard enough for you to sit through it. Next time you get up here and preach about it. Everybody okay? Remember, we're just, guard down. God, could you speak to me in this area today? Does this really matter to you? I'm going to make the case that it is. But that word cheerful giver is translated hilarious. That you know, honestly, our generosity and our giving to the Lord, to the rest of the world, might be hilarious. But it comes from a place of you and I as cheerful givers that we give out of the overflow of extravagant giving, joyful giving, hilarious giving that realizes this, that we cannot outgive God. Because we have a cheerfulness that is not compulsed by the law, but is compelled by God's grace. The reason Aaron and I will give to the Lord through his church this month is because for us, every time we give, it's a recognition of God, it's all yours anyway. It's an act of worship for us. And it's a reminder, every time we give, we cannot out give God. A cheerful heart is is also a committed heart. 1 Corinthians 16 Paul writes now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. We see this foundational principle of the tithe is in sight here as the early church celebrated the tithe as the foundation upon which generosity is built. They were committed to worshiping the Lord through giving and generosity, giving to the Lord through his church. And the question I have for us today, including myself, are we cheerful and are we generous givers? How do I know if I am one? Here's what I want everybody to do tonight. After a stormy afternoon, at some point tonight, I want you to do an audit. Doesn't that sound like a cuss word? But here's what I want you to do. I want you to do an audit tonight when you go home. Maybe if, you're, if you live by yourself, just sit at the table. If you share your finances with someone, invite them to the table. And here's what I want you to do. We're halfway through the month of November. I want you to go to your online banking, your banking statement, your credit card statements, and I want you just to begin to do an audit of all the money that's gone out thus far this month. And here's what I'm talking about. Listen, this is not only adult conversation. If you're a teenager in here and you have income, This is from our babysitters to our business owners, right? Go home and do an audit tonight. 
Look at the places where your money goes. And let me ask you this question. Is it evident in those statements that you are a generous giver? That you are a cheerful giver? That you are faithfully giving to the Lord through his church and even outside his church? Is there evidence enough to convict you of being a good steward of both your money and resources? Hey, let me ask you a hard one. This will sting a little. Um, Are you the Lord of your finances or is he? You'll be able to see it in there. Are you the Lord or is he? You know what I've known to be true? That as I'm faithful to the Lord, time and time again, he raises my standard of living so that I can raise my standard of giving. The more God blesses me with, the more I can bless others with. And here's at the end of the day, I want you to go home and do this audit. I think it's healthy for all of us to do. Aaron and I will do the exact same thing. But at the end of the day, as your pastor, guess what? I can't answer the question if you are a committed, cheerful, and generous giver. I have no idea what you give. So here's the deal. Let's play out this scenario. Let's say you're on a business trip and your plane crash lands on an island. I'm coming to save you because I'm your pastor and I love you, not because of how much you give. But you know what? You know how much you give. More importantly, he does. I may not know how cheerful and generous of a giver you are, but the God who gave you it all does. And at the end of the day, is there enough evidence after we get done with that audit to find us guilty of being a cheerful and generous giver. Now listen, once you do your audit tonight, i got to challenge you to do three things after your audit. Number one, have a conversation. Have a conversation first with the Lord. And after you do your audit, God, am I a cheerful and generous giver? If not, God, help me to be. Have a second conversation with maybe someone you share your finances with. Are we cheerful and generous givers? If not, how can we be? Have a conversation after you do your audit tonight. Have a conversation. Number two, come up with a generosity or a giving plan. Come up with a plan to give to the Lord through His church and also to give to the Lord outside of just the church and other places you can be generous, but come up with a a generosity plan. You know what I love about our team is this is the staff that some of your generosity fuels. This is um, some of our pastors, our ministry, our area leaders. Um, Here's another page of them right here. And I love it. Your generosity helps them to provide for their family just like mine. But you know that every person on the screen, every person that's on your staff, every one of them are faithful, cheerful, generous givers. And all of them could stand here and tell you how God not only meets their needs, needs how God overwhelms them with his generosity to them. Make a plan. All of these folks, all of our team has made a plan for Aaron and I. We said this, listen, over 10% of our income immediately goes to the Lord. And then I'm going to tell you what. God has blessed us beyond measure in every way imaginable. In our home, come up with a giving plan. And here's the third thing, you ready? Commit to be a cheerful and generous giver. You ready? You ready? 
man, I love doing this. I double dog dare you to commit to it. Here's why. I am convinced that it's easy enough for me to have the awkward preaching moment with you about money. I'm convinced that it works so well that God uses it so much that I promise you, you'll be better on the other end of this than you ever have been in your relationship with Jesus. Commit to be a cheerful and a generous giver. And I want to say this. In the studies show this, and the studies are pretty alarming. In the American church, the wealthiest nation on the planet, bar none, even in these days, only 10 to 20% of those who are sitting in a church today will ever worship and give to the Lord through his church. 10 to 20%. Of those, the average amount of giving is 2.5% of one's income. Now, Connect Church, we do a little bit better. It's nearly half. I've talked with our treasurer, Miss Debbie. Nearly half of those who come are giving some capacity in the life of Connect Church. And for those that you are, then thank you. Go home and do the audit tonight. You might find yourself a whole lot happier afterwards of how you found yourself to be a cheerful and a generous giver. Thank you for your generosity. You have a hand in everything uh, that we do that God accomplishes through our church. I just want to say thank you for being generous and giving to the Lord through his church. I want to close with this today. Um, you know, just a little over a year ago, we launched uh, a giving initiative outside of our budget just to love on folks who had a whole lot of really bad medical debt. Now, I want to celebrate with you today that as I stand here this morning, you have abolished over $2.5 million of medical debt and blessing 2,902 individuals from our community and the surrounding area, and you still have money left over for us to continue to pay down debt and to find ways to love on our local community for the gospel. Just incredible. Well, just under a year ago, we received a letter, and if you were in that service, you'll remember it, but I just want to remind you of it today. After we did this big giving campaign, we received a letter from a lady who said this, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for this blessing. Now hear me, she doesn't go to Connect Church. We don't know who she is except for her first name. But she writes us still, our family endured one of the hardest seasons of life this past year with the loss of our son. Their little boy died. And she said this, we committed this year to starting anew by committing to follow the Lord fully as we should. She says this, one way was in tithes and offerings. Sunday's offering of a full tithe was difficult with the amount of medical bills due. I reminded my husband of Malachi 3, 6 through 10, the, the passage we read not too long ago, and although difficult to do, he agreed to give the whole tithe to God. Yeah, listen, why this floors us is because why did she even have to bring that up? We'd have paid it off no matter what was going on. But you know what I begin to see? What I saw in the Philippian church and what I see in this lady in her letter, even though I don't know her, is she was bought in that it's all his anyway. And that he cares about it all. And he can't outgive God. And hear me, church, her son had died. Her little boy had died. They had hospital bills they were still paying from that season in their life. 
and with hearts filled with grief. Oh, but we want to be generous and cheerful givers. And so they had a conversation. They decided this month we're going to give the full tithe to the Lord. Even though it's hard, we're going to do it. And they did just that. And here's what she writes. The very next day, we received this blessing of debt forgiveness. And at church, you are truly allowing God to work through you. Thank you again for this blessing. I'll be praying for your, your ministry, and hopefully one day we will be in a position to donate even more in, uh, in order to bless another family in need like ours. I just I think of her letter often. And first of all, how cool is it that because you are faithful in your generosity, that a family going through the worst season of their life decides to give their whole tithe to the Lord through the, their church, not our church, their church. And the next day, a letter from you came in their mailbox, and God used your generosity to remind that precious family how much He loves them. They're not forgotten, and He's going to take care of them. That's the kind of things that happen when you invest through worship and generosity, and you give to the Lord through His church. When you invest in a kingdom greater than your own. So are you a... Hey, teenagers... Are you a generous and cheerful giver? Mom and dad, grandparents, a single person, college student, widow, widower. Are you a cheerful and generous giver? Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.